Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we're back this week with a UFO show, that's all. Nothing important. The reason I say that is there's somebody on Facebook, whenever we talk about UFOs or UAOs or UAPs or whatever they are, he says, oh, a UFO show. Not necessarily with that inflection. I'm just fabricating the inflection. It's his words. I'm trying to interpret using my professional caliber announcer voice. No, that's not working well. We have Richard Hoffman joining us. He is somebody who's been investigating UFOs for over five decades. And Rich, does that mean you'll continue till you get it right? Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to get it right someday. I, maybe another five decades? What do you think? Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's let's hope we're all sticking around another five decades. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would. <laughs> Yeah, well, never mind those people on Facebook that, you know, well, we shouldn't say that. Actually, we love everyone that listens to the show and even the people that complain that we talk about UFOs too much. But you know what? We're not really talking necessarily about UFOs today. We're talking about UAP, which could be, well... Almost anything, really. It doesn't really mean it's necessarily some sort of an alien craft, right, Richard? That's correct. So we might be dealing with, I mean, we could conceivably be dealing with like uh, maybe some unknown giant bird or something, you know? To me, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's a phenomenon that really is, uh, it's very broad. Uh, It's got a lot of aspects to it. It does include a lot of different things uh, from the standpoint of, even natural phenomena. I, I looked at some lights that were like about an hour away from us that were unidentified objects, if you would, to some people. But at the same time, they were of a natural nature. I mean, it, it is a a ball of gas, if you would, that's made out of various chemicals and things like that, that people get report, uh, they report all the time. So it's a very broad uh, subject. Right. Well, yeah, these are the light, the ones you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm recalling here correctly. These are the ones that actually this is one of your projects in particular. You work yeah. with some other professional people and scientists yep. and academics. Yep. Um, but you looked into this and they are mysterious balls of light that appear uh, in Alabama. Tell us a bit about them. Let's, let's go into a little bit of detail about those. Are we talking something, you know, like the, the Brown Mountain Lights or uh, the Hestellen Project, that sort of thing? Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of these like areas around the country where there seems to be a consolidated number of these lights, if you would. We call them earth lights, if you would. Hestel in Norway. Uh, you've got the Marfa lights in Texas. You've got uh, the Piedmont, Missouri area having some. You have the brown mountain lights. And I think that there's a, a even in uh, Australia, there's a group of lights and things. I can't remember the name of them that they use down there, but Ultimately, there's these like areas where there seems to be a concentration of these things. And is that due to the uh, natural geological uh, aspect? If you take a look at Cloverdale, for example, uh, it's largely in a farmland area. There's nothing pretty much outstanding about it, except for the fact that that's where the Tennessee River is. There's a lot of underground water that flows uh, through limestone caves. And you also have some of those things with sulfur 
they have sulfur in them. And the reason why I want to mention sulfur is because that's one of the chemicals we see in these lights. When you take a look at them for the spectral camera, you're able to break down the, the uh, composition. And we find out that even in Hestel in Norway, you see a couple of these common elements, uh, if you would. Sulfur is one of those. In Hestelin, they had uh, a chemical by the name, or, or it's like scandium. And if you take a look at scandium on the periodic table, you see that it's basically a rare earth tra- element. And it, it is one of those transitional metals. And it's used in Hollywood to be able to make uh, sets go from, you know, appear to be like n- a daylight at night. So it's used for illumination. So scandium uh, is one of those rare earth elements. And we saw uh, not scandium over here, but uh, we saw a yttrium, which is also right below that on the periodic table. So there are some common elements to these like earth light phenomena that you, you experience. And that represents, by the way, some of the UFO reports that people get, that they submit. And so we have to be mindful of the fact that the UFO phenomena, you have to really understand the IFOs out there, uh, because in order to get the, to the uh, you know to get rid of all the IFOs, if you would, to get to a UFO, if you would, that you need to eliminate them. Uh, so we don't want to know about birds, and we don't want to know about other kinds of like things, even like the Earth lights, if you would, to get to the what we call the UFOs. Well, we might want to know about them, and that's what the whole UAP thing kind of does. You're you're looking into yeah. everything that a report, a UFO report, might be explained by other than a UFO. And so you look into all of these various possibilities, and I think that's a really responsible way to go about it. And I find it really interesting that you've done some spectrographic analysis on this, because uh, I've I've seen a bit here and there, like with the Hestalen studies, they've done uh, some things like that. But you don't see it very often where you get that level of scientific involvement. Exactly. And, and so, so that's where science needs to be leading the charge if you would, to make recommendations to come up with technologies or various other things to help us out in order to be able to get some better answers than just a a blurred image on somebody's camera, right? I mean, we need to get more data. We need to be able to see the objects in another uh, beyond the visible range in the spectrum. So, like, that's why it's, it's so appealing when we get these, like, you know, things like the FLIR-1 or some of the other, uh, uh, the Aguadilla case, where you get a thermal image at camera that be able to now let you see this in IR, and that's outside of the visible range of the spectrum. So you learn about the heat around the objects. So we are encouraging a lot of different groups and people to start, especially that they have an interest in UFO phenomena, to start to use these tools that are now readily available. You can get a lens for a camera to take your camera and turn it into a spectral camera. So all you have is a diffraction grating on the front of it that splits it into a, a spectrum kind of an image. And then we have analyzers that are able to take that and to look for the chemical composition. I should point out, Rich, that they do have add-ons even for smartphone cameras where you can add different features. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of the presentations that I was going to be doing this year at the SU conference uh, that we were going to have, and we had to end up canceling it because of COVID, 
Uh, we're planning to do it again next year in uh, June 4th, I believe, June 4th through the 6th here in Huntsville. But what I, I'm going to be presenting that uh, all the different apps that you can get on like in your like your iPhone or your Android device that allow you to be able to do these other kinds of things that we need. Uh, you know, my it's amazing what you can do with your phone. I mean, it, it can be a Geiger counter. It can be a it can be a temperature, uh, local temperature, meaning that you don't have to look at the airport data. You can actually look at where you're standing and get that humidity and everything else that we want to get more accurate results. It's got there's apps out there to, for me to take a look at the satellites directly above you right now that we know about. And I can look at the aircraft that are flying over your head. And I've done that with uh, with other training sessions that I've done where I said, you know, ultimately, you know, if you conduct a UFO investigation now, quite different from, by the way, what I did back in 1964 and 1965 when I got started, uh, I can take my my phone right now, and you can tell me where you're standing and your location. I can again, I can look directly over your head at that location uh, and see what satellites are above, and I can look at the aircraft that are going across the sky. We have Rich Hoffman joining us this week about UFOs, UAPs, and IFOs. More to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Paracast people, I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Gene, was that good? Can we use that one? Attention radio listeners, if you're concerned about the coming chaos after the November elections, this will be an extremely important message. Here's why. No matter what the outcome in November, catastrophic social upheaval is a very real possibility. Here's why this is important. Listen, we all know that silver and gold have been historic hedges against the uncertain waves of social chaos and unstable currencies. But did you know that there's been times in the past during times of extreme hardship when Americans put another store of value above even silver and gold? It's true. Open pollinated seeds have been and could very well be the ultimate store of value in the coming hard times ahead. Go to survivalseedbank.com to get heirloom seeds below wholesale. Visit survivalseedbank.com this week and get hundreds of dollars in free bonuses. Beat the coming chaos. Beat rising food prices. But above all, don't wait. Beat the crowds by claiming your own Survival Seed Bank today. Compliment your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. 
We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. If you or a loved one is a survivor of abuse by Boy Scouts of America representatives as far back as the 1970s, we urge you to speak up. We'll stand with you and get you the help and financial compensation you deserve. A jury in Portland, for example, awarded $18.5 million in punitive damages in one Boy Scout sexual abuse case. The Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy, and funds have been set aside to compensate those injured. Time is limited, and so are the funds. Call today. Don't wait. For free information on how to file your claim, call All Survivors Advocates right now. We have a long track record in helping our clients get the legal justice and compensation they deserve. Please, we are ready to help you. Call today. 800-364-2984. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Rich, if you want right now, if I give you my location and let you track me on my iPhone, you can tell me what's flying above me. Yes. You need to go on some of those UFO tours where they take people out in, into the country and then they, they point at a vague light up in the sky and go, look, that's a UFO and charge them. You know, I'm not naming names here, but it can be quite a steep uh, tour guide fee for some of these because we know that some of the people have done exactly like you said and been on those tours and had those apps and what they were saying are UFOs are satellites or aircraft just flying really high. We're in the wrong business, though. We can charge $10,000 a pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's for people to watch, you know, satellites and airplanes. I mean, yeah, that's what we need is people like you to to get the word out so that when people go out on these tours – they can do that. They can say, okay, I've got my phone. I've got my apps loaded. I can mm-hmm. now tell whether or not this is an actual explained light as opposed to a UFO, like an alien craft. At least if they can't identify it as a satellite or an airplane, that's something. Precisely. And there's also other apps that I'm not, I mean, you, like I literally conducted an investigation from my office of somebody that was like 100 miles away. And uh, and literally, I could I could sit there and tell them, oh, so you're standing out by your tree in your backyard. Yeah. OK, I know where you're at then. All right. 
Are you looking toward the town? You know, I could I could get into all kinds of details looking at Google Earth, and then I, I could tell him and I could say like, you know, hey, look, there's an aircraft that's that's right now heading south. Do you see it? Yes, I see that airplane, and I can see the blinking lights on it. Is that the object? No, that's not the object. The object is over to the right. Well, I don't have anything on that, but let me take a look at the satellites above you. You know, and I and so I can right. go into this. So my my point is that that's a whole other kind of way of doing investigations that we now have at, by the phone, and that is incredible. And then plus, there's apps like Theodlite that I can go into where I would recommend people to use that instead of their regular camera. But use Theodlite because actually that thing will tell you exactly, if you take the picture, it tells me the angular size of the object. It tells me the direction that it is. It looks at your bearing. It lets me know your GPS location. It does all those kinds of things. So it's almost like being there. And with augmented reality, maybe in a few years, you will be there more or less. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's why I want to be around for another five decades. <laughs> We're also missing out, of course, when Zephyrin Cochran invents warp drive. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want in on that. Definitely. Well, okay. So going back to these earth lights, one of the first things I learned about earth lights back when I first heard about them I it 20 years ago or something is uh, that they're caused by geological activity. Well, I guess the plasma balls, I mean, maybe it's swamp gas too. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like there's any particular identified thing. Class had the whole plasma th uh, theory, which really didn't seem to pan out very well. So what are they? I wouldn't actually go to the point of saying that they're all, I mean, okay, so in the context that I'm talking about, there are some, like, uh, I think My Michael Persinger, who indicated that they were there were piezo-like electrical charges that are emitted by an earthquake activity or something of that nature. It's right, like crystal, yeah. crystals that uh, maybe rock together or, or the, they shift and they cause friction, they cause a spark, if you would, and hypothetically you got this balls of whatever light uh, that that is yeah he took These it a are, bit further i think and said that maybe they can cause uh em yeah. discharges that can affect people's temporal lobes and cause them to have uh, a kind of a ufo or paranormal like experience correct yeah and so he was going on that line of reasoning well there is no earthquake activity over in the area that i'm talking about uh west of here in cloverdale and that is more like, a, again, going back to there's these areas where there's the, the water has uh, now been uh, impacted by it's turned like sulfur is, is infused with it. And we think that it might be coming from that. And it's like a ball of gas or a burp, if you would, that somehow has a chemical that ignites in it. And it's now like this uh, ball, if you would, of gas that moves through the sky. Now, the interesting thing about the ball of gas kind of concept, because we don't, it, it, it is nothing but gases in it, uh, is that it, it moves against the wind, and it, it, can, it typically was moving in an east-to-west or a west-to-east kind of fashion, as opposed to a north and south. So then you begin to wonder, is there like some sort of like underground magnetic charge that it follows? We see that they were also connected to there's a tr train track and the fact that it moves along the train track or it's above the train track 
there was a tr- one of the witnesses saw uh, the actual a train come by and the ball become, if you would, like magnetically attached to it, if you would. So it stayed rattling, uh, moving, not attached directly to the train, but around the train and it moved along with the train. That sounds so impossible for just a ball of gas, doesn't it? Really? I mean, that you'd get wind pressure that should, in theory, just dissipate it out. That, I mean, this is either a really amazing phenomena or it sounds like it's some sort of a, you know, a vehicle or something. Well, but think about it. I mean, you also have uh, if, during World War Two, you had uh, the Foo Fighters, which flew around the aircraft. And again, they were metallic. And so you have situations where they become like attached to it uh, on, from a magnetic. And if you think about it, there's some sort of a charge on the inside of them, if you would, that it's that's being emitted. Uh, you get you're getting light coming from it. Uh, so ultimately, there's some potential charge there that it can magnetically attach itself to other things. Definitely, there, definitely, there's energy for sure. You know, yeah. maybe some of these really are UFOs, some kind of probe or something. I mean, I don't think we can rule that out. Well, I think we can. I, I, I don't. You know, a, we're only detecting a ball of gas, and well, you're we not. Don't, we don't know that it's gas for sure. No, we just know yes, that it's yes. got a spectra, spectrum. No, that, we know that it's made up of gas. Yeah. We got the exact chemicals in the spectral analysis we do. Yeah, but we could do that with a jet aircraft exhaust, too. That doesn't mean, you know, that the well, aircraft is made of gas. Well, but the exhaust is what we're talking about, and the exhaust is not intelligent. Right, but, but this might be just a byproduct of the propulsion system, right? It might not be the actual no. object itself, right? Yeah, n- none, of this, none of this makes any sense in that regard. I mean, these things are being seen moving along the ground and around cows and various other things before they ascend. They don't show any, any indication of intelligence, per se, at all. They're, and, you know, when you're talking about spectral analysis of something, you're getting the chemical composition of it. You know what it is. Uh, you, you know, you don't see anything other than noble gases and various other kinds of things. There is no I, gas I coming from this microphone. There's no hot air. Well, maybe the hot air. Rich Hoffman is with us with Gene and Randall. You're in. Yeah. Anyway. Cast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. 
USA Radio News with Wendy King. Here in Oregon, it's hard to breathe because of the thick smoke. USA Radio's John Hunt has more. As fires continue throughout the West Coast, hundreds of firefighters are now battling two large wildfires that threaten to merge near the most populated part of the state of Oregon, including the suburbs of Portland. And the governor said dozens of people are missing in other parts of the state. The state's emergency management director, Andrew Phelps, said officials are preparing for a mass fatality event and that thousands of structures have already been destroyed. Governor Kate Brown said more than 40,000 Oregonians have already been evacuated and about 500,000 are in different levels of evacuation zones, either having been told to leave or to prepare to get that done. The Oregon Convention Center in Portland is among the buildings being transformed into shelters for evacuees. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. This is USA Radio News. Colorado's Secretary of State filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Postal Service over mailers that contain inaccurate information about mail-in voting. Jenna Griswold said her office learned Thursday that the Postal Service would send mailers to every household in the U.S. with information about mail-in voting. The mailers advise voters to request a vote-by-mail ballot at least 15 days before Election Day and to return the official ballot at least seven days before the election. But the instructions don't account for the variation in state rules. Colorado, Hawaii, and Oregon, for example, don't require individuals to request mail-in ballots because every registered voter already gets one. According to Griswold, secretaries of state in five other states have contacted her to request copies so they could explore the possibility of filing their own suit. In Washington state, which also runs elections exclusively by mail, the secretary of state criticized the mailer on Twitter. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Rich, let me interrupt with a question here before we proceed with the show. And that is, some speculated through the years that at least some so-called UFOs are really airborne life forms of some sort. Is that a possibility at all in the kind of research you've done? Not in the context of the earth light phenomena. I don't know that I've had anybody describe, let's say, an object that... Well, we've had objects that have morphed in shape, and we've had objects that merge and split apart. Uh, Again, these are anecdotal kinds of testimonies, not like we've got anything that proves that, Uh, 
if we had evidence that would support that, that would be great because you're ultimately scientists follow data. And we don't have any data on that. We just have people saying, I saw it do this or I saw that or whatever. And that's not going to get us anywhere from uh, an understanding of the objects. Yeah, a lot of people speculate that they're, they're animals, if you would, or they're, they're some sort of life form in the sky, although science has never seen anything that proves that that could be. Yeah, you'd think we'd have more evidence of that. Like, you know, if, you know, if they die, they would, should, in theory, fall to the ground or something, and then we right. should be able to examine it kind of thing. But, yeah. uh, I, mean, I mean, I guess what I was getting at is there seems to be this crossover between the Foo Fighter phenomena and the Earthlight phenomena, where, like you were saying, in some cases with the Foo Fighters, they were observed in daylight as metallic objects as well. So, you know, maybe if they're... If it's at night and you can see them glow, they've got some sort of St. Elmo's fire going on around them. Yeah, I just think ultimately we don't understand everything that's up in our atmosphere, okay? And so there are natural processes that are going on in our atmosphere that we are not studying or we haven't got an awareness yet of. We've, I mean, the phenomena called sprites were not known over a decade ago. Uh, and now we know that there are these things called sprites that shoot up from the top of a cloud and they go way up into the, uh, the troposphere and, you know, very high up in the sky. And it's only because astronauts report seeing them and we're now seeing them on the ground. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, I just think that we're still learning about our own atmosphere. And a lot of these things are very natural things. They're not typically what I would call a, a UFO that I would think of what would be piloted by some alien or some other life form or something like that. These are just natural objects that I'm talking about. There's been other reports of them, you know, that pop, they, they follow power lines and then they come off of power lines. I had a case over here in Alabama years ago where basically a ball of light was seen going along the telephone lines and it came off and uh, a couple were in a, in their car and, the car went dead, if you would, and the, the lights around the area kind of like went off and on. And again, they admit some sort of a, a charge, if you would. What we were attempting to do over in Cloverdale was to, and we didn't have any success yet with that, but is to fly a drone and get it up as close as we can. And we had to, of course, shield the motor with like a Faraday cage, like kind of like structure to be able to have it protected from any kind of a static discharge. But the idea was to be able to fly the drone and follow it because they're moving at roughly about 20 mile an hour or a little bit less. And you'd be able to take it with your drone and follow it. Have you had the opportunity to actually visually observe one yourself? No, not as yet. I've been going out for three years, but we don't know if it's a factor of weather, whether humidity comes into play, whether it's around a certain kind of temperature, or maybe it's a different year than the previous year. We've gone out on many nights trying to observe and just don't get a chance to see them. So, uh, But then they're still going on and people are reporting seeing them. Interesting. Okay, so there's so we have the, we have the natural phenomenon, which... Well, we're assuming it's natural phenomena. It, it probably 
is. That seems to make a lot of sense. And then then there's the ones that people like myself, I mean, I'm interested in the natural phenomenon, but I'm also more interested in the core phenomenon of UFOs, some kind of an alien craft. So when we get reports of these where, you know, they might be about the same size, they might be spherical, most Blue Book reports actually were of spherical objects, not the disc-shaped objects. Uh, there seems to be this crossover where maybe we can't be sure which is which in a particular report. I mean, we can't necessarily be sure what anything is, but if we're going to take them at face value and go, okay, well, if we've got something, even if it's the size of a basketball and it's observed by people to be metallic-looking, shiny, and hovering in the sky, I, I don't think we could class that as a ball of gas, right? Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you there. I mean, I don't see that necessarily if it's like appears to be metallic. I think that you know we have we have challenges with observations. Now, let me go back and, and clarify a point that you just made. You said, well, most of them are are around, or if you would, or what a spherical or something of that nature, and. Well, let me put it to you this way: If I'm standing underneath a disc, I might I might say that it's round too, right? Saucer shaped, anyway. Yeah, spherical. No. It'd be harder to tell. No, I'm saying that if I'm underneath a round disc shaped object and I'm looking up from the bottom of it, or if it's turned on its side, I would report it as being round. Oh yeah, yeah I suppose you could, and yeah, you could use the word "round" in a very generic sense. You'd have to yes. get very specific language in order to say, you know, no, this was a sphere. It was definitely three-dimensional spherical object. Exactly. Um, right. And, yes, uh, I see what you're saying. Well, that's what I'm saying, and I'm also saying that a lot of people don't. will will make the and they might look at an ovoid shape or something like that and see it on the end, and they might say that it's round. And it's not until the object turns around that you see that it's an ovoid shape. I, we have a problem because we're dealing with humans, and humans have their own context that they that they report things in, and the way that they look at things. And I'm saying that that's where the struggle we have is. I mean, most people can't even tell you the angular size of, let's say, their car if I put it a mile away. Uh, if I, they, 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 you have to try to get angular size on these objects and. Well, what's angular size? Well, you know, the, the moon is, is, a, right. is, is for example, you, you always have to use a reference. Well, was it as big as the moon? You know, and then we can get the angular size if it was right. as, big as, as big as a star or something of that nature. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, we've had challenges with the context of gathering data from people to where they are, they're fallible and they use their own context to be able to give it. And that, I mean, like I literally had 30 people draw the same object that they were seeing and they all drew it differently. Okay. I did that on a case back in 1970 and I got basically 30 different drawings. Very interesting. I wonder if you could put them all together somehow into a composite that would be uh, you know, it's like the it's like the uh, guess the number of gumballs, and there's a, a phenomena where if you have enough data like that, you can, if you put it all together in a certain way, you can probably get something that is actually more accurate than any individual representation. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like you know, people mistake birds for UFOs. I mean, if I draw a bird or something like that, or if I draw the uh, other kinds of things, then I'm I'm 
clouding the real accurate depiction of the object. And I'm not sure that if, you know, putting a composition of a bird and something else that together, I'm going to get something different that's more accurate. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just that, a it's a phenomenon. I mean, it's a real thing. You can yeah. you can look it up. But so and they they use that they they do use that for um, image enhancement and stuff. There are algorithms for it. It's just yeah. I, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, say if you had you know 14 different photographs of something, right? Uh, there's a good chance that you could put all that data together to get something more accurate than just any one of them. You know, if it guys, we're going to break in a moment <laughs> yeah. here. We're going to break in a moment here. But I'm going to throw out something when we get to the other side, okay? And it may have no resemblance or connection with anything, but what the heck. We've got Rich Hoffman. We've got Gene Steinberg and Jay Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203 silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions silverlungs.com you'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions the silver lungs generator allows you to make your own so stop paying for silver solutions the unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever. We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS 
guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. 
you know, or it's motion blur because the object is moving so quickly and they got their hands uh, moving uh, while they're trying to take it, uh, especially at a distance. And so we keep looking for better data because we're wanting to get a better understanding of the object. Well, when you raise all this, though, about the problems with human perception, I wonder, people are convicted of major crimes, murder, on the basis of eyewitness testimony. And as we see quite often, you may have a lot of people who may vaguely resemble the real quote-unquote person who committed the crime, but you stand a really big chance of getting the wrong party. Exactly. And, and we've seen cases overturned where people were on either death row and stuff like that, where, you know, later on, DNA shows that it was somebody totally different. It wasn't them at all. And yet, you know, five people said, well, it was him. You know, it was him. And so we're, we are very fallible. And if you just do the uh, looks into our us as humans reporting, seeing things and our beliefs and our notions, you find out that that comes in and clouds the issue, which is why typically scientists reject the anecdotal and look for the data. Okay. They look to get more data as opposed to anecdotal stuff. In fact, they'll often just dismiss it because they know it's, it's fallible and it's maybe inaccurate. Well, okay. But we also have to, when, when we're looking at that, that's a double-edged sword because on one hand, while human perception is fallible, then what are the alternatives? Well, what do we call data? Well, uh, first-hand experience, an anecdote technically isn't a first-hand experience. So, well, it can be, but if we're talking about a first-hand, first-person experience, that really can count as data because it's observation. It's empirical. It's what is the foundation of the scientific method. So, it might not be necessarily as accurate as some sort of instrumentation, but then even instrumentation has its limitations and its problems and its artifacts. And uh, I mean, I know I've been a PC repair person and I can't tell you how much memory I've thrown out because it's faulty and that's digital chips. So, you know, I think that firsthand witnesses really deserve to be considered as data. Yeah, well, I I guess what I, I again, I'm telling you that that's typically what scientists look for, and they don't tend to use human information, okay? You and I are in agreement. I think that the human is very still much in the game, and we have to look at it as being a, a form of evidence. For example, in Aguadilla, we had a lot of people that were going in and just looking at the video and making interpretations of the video for the Aguadilla footage, and failing to consider the fact that the control tower and the people in the plane all saw a lighted object that was moving in from the ocean, okay? And so the fact that they saw a light on two different locations is important. But guess what? Scientists don't factor that in, don't even use that. They look at the video data, or they look at radar data, or they look at other kinds of data. And so that's what scientists tend to want to use to be able to do measurements and to do have repeatable kinds of uh, experiments and tests with it. 
I mean, we have people that's, that say that they see things on Mars yeah, or they see things you know, up in the sky and, and that type of thing all the time. Uh, astronomers even report stuff. But do you think that another astronomer is going to buy that? They want to be able to go see it themselves. Uh, they right. want to be able. To, they want to be able to measure it using, uh, you know, their various tools that they have as astronomy tools to make their firm decisions on whether they think that it's a legitimate, whatever, you know. Yeah, I and, definitely think there's a, a difference in the in what you would say the weight of the evidence is. In other words, good quality instrumented readings like a, a radar uh, return is that's pretty pretty much undeniable. I mean, there's there's things that it could be there and ways to interpret that as well. But then if you've got a radar visual, now you've got two things. That's why they send up fighter jets to check out radar reports, because until then, it could just be who knows what it is, a temperature inversion, some kind of a weird cloud, who knows, but you send a pilot up there and they see some kind of a flying disc and then they chase after it and lock on with their radar you know you've got something going there i it's uh, yeah i agree i mean i'm we're not in disagreement i'm saying that yes that's important and what i'm trying to tell you is that in a situation where for example you got joe smurphy down in southern alabama who says i saw an object last night <laughs> okay uh-huh. now do you think a scientist is going to get enjoy get a lot of information from I saw an object last night? No, they're not. They're going to get they're looking to get the data where it's there's something else added to the fact that I saw an object last night. And well, I might have filmed that object last night. Okay? Well, that's good. So there's a little bit more. And then we can add on, well, guess what? There was a nearby uh, policeman who was going by and he saw the same thing, right? So now you got multiple witnesses. The cases get stronger. Yeah. And as you as you keep building up the strength of the, the case, then you could start to get something. Like I looked at a, a case in 2013 of a pilot who had basically saw an object that was underneath the wing of his aircraft. He was flying at, you know, like a uh, 240 miles an hour, and maybe, a, I can't remember what the altitude, I think it was like a little over 2,000 feet. But he looks over and he sees a an object underneath his wing. Well, that testimony was all right, except that there wouldn't have a photograph or we didn't have anything with it. Yeah, you know, and he's a credible guy, and you know, and he says he saw it. But that's not until we got the radar information and we find out we can track his plane. And oh, by the way, we see an object. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, one of our correspondents, William Puckett, does that. He's come up with some pretty interesting well, uh, data. Well, it, it, it was William Puckett who helped me on the case analysis and getting the radar data. Very and, interesting. And, and analyzing it. So, yeah. again, you, what you've got is you've got added information and in the fact that you've got a pilot that's looking at something. But at the same time, you've got a radar data, which anybody is able to now look at and say that they can see it's there. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. We do live in amazing times. Uh, just just for our listeners and, and as an aside here, I'm on I, uh, just this is a brief out of the physics.org website. And it talks about that phenomenon I was talking about. It's called wisdom of the crowd. We don't always know who our next guest is going to be. But next week we do have Bryce Zabel, producer and author coming on. And he's got a new publication, Trail of the Saucers. 
to talk about. This all next week on the Paracast. And we have too. some wisdom of the sponsors. Okay. That didn't come across very well. Rich Hoffman, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Today, many of us are paying attention to our health, and what we eat plays an important role. But so often, the water we drink is a mere afterthought when it should be a primary part of our daily nutrition. Real Water would like to change how you think about the water you drink and how it can play an important role in helping your body restore balance and reach its full potential. The key benefits of every bottle of Real Water are stabilized negative ions, balanced pH, detoxification, and it hydrates you like never before. And yes, it tastes great. Real Water is beyond alkalinity, and due to its proprietary process called E2 Technology, it's the only drinking water on the market that can maintain a stable negative ionization, which means real science in every bottle. Order your real water today and take advantage of special pricing for this audience only by calling 1-855-REALWTR or visiting buyrealwaternow.com. That's 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Order now. 1-855-REALWTR or buyrealwaternow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Some words of wisdom from Randall. Go ahead, please. Right. Just before the break, we were talking about this phenomenon where when you get multiple uh, sources of information, they can be uh, collated to create something that's more coherent. Uh, researchers Albert Cow from Harvard University, Andrew Berdahl from Santa Fe Institute, and their colleagues ex- examined how accurate our collective intelligence is and how individual bias and information sharing skew aggregate estimates. Using their findings, they developed a mathematical correction that takes into account bias and social information to generate an improved crowd estimate. In the study, their corrected measures were more accurate than the median and other traditional statistics. So, I mean, you know, there's maybe kind of an interesting tool. That's what I was trying to get at with that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's great. I, th- those are the kind of tools we need to be able to get. I, I don't think that they're readily available to uh, investigators, but that would be nice if they had that kind of tool. I think ultimately it's a situation where you've got a, a, an investigator that goes out, does a case analysis, who actually, to be honest with you, is not a scientist, uh, but ultimately has an interest in the UFO phenomena that maybe passed a test. And he's going out and doing this case study. And he comes up with a conclusion, and he puts that in a nice little report and says that, well, it's it's unidentified according to him. The next thing should happen is if it's a good case, it ought to be looked at by a group of team of like a peer review kind of process or something of that nature and truly looked at from a scientific standpoint if it passed the test. And if it doesn't pass the test, then fine. If you can take it to the next level and utilize some other kinds of tools, I think we should do that. But that's not what's happening in the UFO world. Yeah, and that's why we need groups like yours, Richard. The Coalition for UAP Studies, I believe, is what yeah. it is now. It used to be ufology, but you broadened it out into UAP, yeah. and I, I don't have a problem with that. Maybe for those who really, we know who you are and what you do, but for those who maybe might be tuning in for the first time, can you just explain a bit about what it is that you do at the SCU and who you are? Sure. We're now effectively 100 people strong. We got our 100th member, which uh, was Diane Gleason, and we're going to recognize her with something uh, we haven't decided yet. But anyway, we're excited about our 100th member coming on board. We are a coalition, and we've now moved into a contributorship as well, kind of membership, if you would, where uh, you're tied in a little bit more and you get some benefits. But it's an organ- a coalition of like-minded people who are, tend to be thinking more along the lines of science, if you would, and using scientific method. We're composed of everything from physicists to psychologists to computer specialists to engineers to chemists to mathematicians. Uh, we've got a lot of professors that uh, we've got, I think, 24% of our people are something like PhDs. And so we're basically putting in a peer review process for our studies that we do. We've got a newsletter now, and we've also are putting in a process for a journal to be able to publish our own scientific journal on UFOs. It'll be a first in that right. regard. I just uh, actually I was on your site earlier uh, yeah. doing some pre-show and uh, was yeah. checking out the SCU review. Uh, looks good. You were talking about some of the material analysis from the uh, Ubatuba explosion. That that was that's pretty interesting. We've got a lot of, and we were getting into talking about spectral analysis and content. Mm-hmm. Uh, big in magnesium. It seems like this is a common factor with uh, these reports. There was another case where, according to one of the uh, ufology books, there was a. Jet scrambled to chase a UFO over the Great Lakes, uh, uh, came in and then chased it over the land for a while and actually took a shot at it. And according to the book, this piece fell to the ground and it turned out to be magnesium. And we keep seeing this magnesium element popping up time and time again. Yep. I know I've seen that in studies myself. If you'd like, I, I, let me tell you some of the studies we're doing. Would sure. You be interested? Okay. Yeah. So. Tim Oliver, for example, one of our members, is uh, doing a UAP anti-gravity propulsion and effects study. And this is what he says. The, the, the project focuses on the interactions of UAP with Earth's media of water and air. It will utilize computational fluid dynamics 
the working hypothesis is that many aspects attributed in the to the phenomena, specifically lack of contrails, no sonic booms, absence of sound, and distinct effects on clouds, lack of heat emissions, etc., may be explained by an anti-gravity or reverse gravity force field and exerted and centered from the physical craft. So that is one of our studies. We have another study that's going on, which is called the Intentions UAP study. And what that is, is we're looking at UAP incidents that relate to nuclear, uh, at least production sites, as well as nuclear sites, but initially focusing on the production sites. And so we're taking a look at Hanford, Oak Ridge, Los Alamos, Kirkland, Sandia, and the Manzano areas uh, for UFO reports, and we're going and scanning through that to see if we can make any kind of uh, assertions that that there is a connection to a nuclear sites and when and why that they happened, or and looking at that, the frequency of them, when do they happen, do they continue to go on, and so forth. That's another study. We have another one, which is UAP classifications and scoring system. They're actually looking at developing a classification process there. We've also got another study going on where we're looking at uh, USOs in the context of being able to see what we can derive in the way of USO reports and frequencies and locations around the, uh, the Earth. So we have a lot of very good things going on. Uh, in addition to that, we have an intelligence team, uh, intelligence advisors and national security, uh, and we're connecting into the intelligence world. And so we're actually looking to be able to, we're investigating the Colaris uh, incident uh, that was in Brazil uh, a number of years ago, and it was very interesting. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I don't know exactly too much myself. It's a Brazilian case. Just an overview is fine. Sure. Yeah. uh, Well, it's basically, it it seemed to be that this island off of the coast of Brazil was having a large number of sightings and, 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 you know, uh, it almost was the point where it seemed like it was an invasion going on. And in, in that context, it was a, we, we got a part of our team that are wanting to take an interest from the Intel side uh, world to see if we can get any information shared by the Brazilian uh, intelligence people, if you would. So uh, I don't know that much about the case other than the fact that I, I just told you. And it's been like, I think it was, I want to say maybe like in the, you know, three decades ago or something of that nature. Uh, and I'm not sitting in front of a computer per se to be able to, or at least I can look it up for you. Oh, uh, but anyway, uh, what I'm trying to get at is that we've got a lot of different projects on our plate that we're working to do. We're putting out a process to be able to uh, actually derive some sort of an intelligent estimate, if you would, uh, uh, that we can share with leaders. We've made contact with... Uh, with a variety of people on the Hill. Uh, we've also got an, an individual that's been written up on the, the drive. Uh, one of our, uh, our members is Doug Johnson. And Doug uh, has been writing about the, uh, the Colorado drone mystery. And that's been expanded out to the point that there's others that I've been able to share with him. And he's been able to go after and get FOIA information on where these things are uh, drone, mysterious drones that they can't identify are 
uh, going over nuclear sites, uh, as well as some of our other sensitive locations and ranges. So uh, he's doing an amazing job with putting that together. We've got another study that's going on where we're looking at the aurora. Uh, if, when you think about the aurora borealis in connection with UFOs. Let's stop at the aurora borealis because it's coming down to land on my front lawn. I don't have a front lawn. I'm just making that up to segue to the ads. More to come with Randall, Jean, and Rich are in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are you ready for what's next? It's likely coming. More food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed, social unrest. Ask yourself, do you have enough food and supplies on hand to last at least 30 days? Most Americans do not, but you can. Avoid the panic of the last-minute rush. Order your four-week supply of emergency food today from MyPatriotSupply.com. Starvation or dependency on the government are your only alternatives. Avoid those and the pain of being unprepared. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage, shipped discreetly to your door. Folks that know what's coming are using today to prepare. There's time for you to do the same. That's MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company. MyPatriotSupply.com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... 
Take Jake's advice. Give Federal Tax Management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the Federal Tax Management Hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Tell us more, Rich Hoffman, about the Aurora Borealis and forget my crazy talk. Problem. Well, I'm glad most people forget it. Oh, I don't. No, Gene, hearing from you is always a great thing. I like to hear from you. Uh, by the way, that flap, in 19, it was in 1977 in Kolaris. I did some checking there very quickly. So we're trying to look into that because it was considered to be very interesting by the intelligence community. Yeah, there was uh, a lot going on back in the mid-70s. That's when I saw the one I yeah. saw in B.C. There, there was a lot of interesting sightings back around then. Yes, if you saw the uh, the episode this year, I, I'm not sure which one it was, number three or four of the unidentified uh, on History Channel. There was an incident where a, I think it was a refueling tanker maybe, that was flying along and it saw the aurora ahead and there was a UFO that was reported in that. There's other cases where the, that same kind of thing, the aurora, and, and might be a coming in play. When I talk with even to Erling Strand in Norway uh, about his studies with the Hestelin effect. He said, well, he felt that it was connected to somehow the magnetosphere. Anyway, we're looking at that as well. So that's another study. There's a, a, lot, a lot of things that we're doing, and we're going to be having, again, like I said, our next conference in a year from now. Hopefully, we'll be able to have it, and we'll be able to talk about some of these things that we're doing. I think it's pretty interesting that you're looking into the anti-gravity angle. Uh, that's one that people have been looking into for a long time. Uh, I know it goes back seriously as far as Paul R. Hill, who used to be a NASA engineer at one point. You probably know who I'm talking about. And yeah. he had his own sighting, and that's what he figured was going on. And I've had the same sentiment about it myself for ever since I was a kid. Basically, because my older brother and his wife saw one, and I thought the only way these things could do that is some sort of anti-gravity propulsion system. So I think we're on the right track there, but how are we going to figure that one out? That It seems just so beyond our, our understanding at the present time. It is. And I think that what we're dealing with overall has always been beyond our understanding. And, and so if you take a look at where we've been, and the, and the objects are not really doing anything different that they didn't do back in the 1950s. They stop in the middle of the air, they, they shoot off at incredible rates of speed, they go to hypersonic speeds, they go in the water, they come out of the water, uh, they go up in the in space, if you would, with the same object. We, we can't take a sub and go put it up in the air. We can't take a, an aircraft and go put it in space. 
ultimately have we design things to be able to work in each of those respective mediums, but not go across all three. These objects do that. We're dealing with a phenomenon we don't understand. It doesn't produce any sound. It, it makes 90-degree turns on a dime. It doesn't have any indication of propulsion systems as we, as we think of them. And so what's making them move around? And then how can they appear on radar one minute and the next minute they're not on radar? How, how is it that they can get, be visible one minute and seem to disintegrate in the middle of in front of our eyes? We like to put things in the context of words that we know from TV, so we call it cloaking. You know, it must be like a Romulan spacecraft, you know, or something like that. Well, but that makes also, sense, though, too, because, I mean, we're well, even working on scientific devices, you know, that, that make it seem like things can disappear. Well, that's becoming yeah. within our technological ability now. Yeah, and so they've been doing it all along, okay? So, <laughs> so we keep attempting to want to wanna, to catch up to where these things are and to do those kinds of things, and that's great. I mean, I'm more power to them, but they've been doing it for a lot longer, and they've been here doing it, and we often want to keep throwing up this thing and saying, well, it must these objects must be from, like, the Japanese, or it must be from the Russians. Well, were they doing it back then? No. No, <laughs> no they weren't doing it back then. You know, you're doing a real good harmony. Let's just put some music to it. I'm Seriously speaking, when we get to subjects like this about what's going on and all that, what's your take about this Pentagon task force about UFOs? Or UAPs, excuse me. Yeah. Personally, I think that what's happened is, uh, is ultimately that, well, I know, I know that, you know, the TTSA team had a, uh, had a play in helping it to, to get the Marco Rubio and helping him to get this uh, National Defense Authorization Act to allow for that to happen. And, of course, they got the bill passed, and then they set up the Pentagon Task Force. If you recall that the, the task force was already in the DOD, and or if you would, the previous project, 8A TIP, started off, it was OSAP, and it moved from uh, underneath the, the helm of DIA, and then it moved over into the Pentagon. And so they, they've had that team that was there. They've changed the name of it. It's no longer AA TIP, if you would. They went kind of underground. Well, I think that this is resurrecting that team, if you would. And they're going to resurrect that group of people and and potentially others to be able to help study this uh, and come up with a definitive, yeah, we need to keep looking into it, or yeah, we need to, to find out what the heck they are, or we need, we need to find some way to attack this topic, because what you've got are crafts that are around military exercises over military ranges, and the fact that the, if you think about the, uh, the fact that they're flying around, tells us that we're not in control of our skies and we don't even know what the heck they are and and maybe we should put some time and attention to that, right? So let's get NORAD, let's get everybody in, engaged in something and they'll probably come up with a recommendation that says something along that line. We okay, but we've heard this all before, right? I, I mean, the, no, I, I, I think really that they know a lot more already that we do. And this, this kind of segues into the whole idea of disclosure. They've got to know more than we know because they've got all of the sophisticated equipment to, to track this stuff and to figure out what it is. No, they don't have to know. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is it's not the mission of the Air Force to go net, or, or, the, or the Navy and everybody to go study and report UFOs. In fact, they don't. 
They shut up about them. They don't even mention them. It doesn't even make it through the command chain. And so consequently, nobody brings it up. Nobody's talking about it. And we want to think that the, the good old big government's got all these tools and they're focused on UFOs. No, they mo- if they see something on their scopes, they just shut up about it and they don't report it to anybody. Okay, so, wait, hang on, wait a minute. You were saying it's not their job. I think it is their job to well, be no. able to figure out what these unidentified craft are that are entering our airspace. And no, 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 we I know that they send jets after them. I don't disagree. And I might say, you know, let me let me clarify to you that what I'm saying is the 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 defense of the military for any country is to know about those. I mean, the, what's up in the sky and, and what's under the water. And and it should be that. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you take a look at uh, just where they their focus is, it's not about UFOs. They haven't even they kind of blew it off. They don't even see it as a threat. It's just somebody else making a mistake or they saw something or whatever like that. And they right, haven't so, they so haven't had figure, a. They, so you they, figure it's just incidental. And then, you know, these the, uh, you will get some anomalous event that happens and it just goes into a cardboard box some, or not even that far. People just go, oh, well, you know, we'll yes. file the report and that's all that that happens with it. Here's all that's happening with Randall Jean and Rich in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Here in Oregon, it's hard to breathe because of the thick smoke. USA Radio's John Hunt has more. As fires continue throughout the West Coast, hundreds of firefighters are now battling two large wildfires that threaten to merge near the most populated part of the state of Oregon, including the suburbs of Portland. And the governor said dozens of people are missing in other parts of the state. The state's emergency management director, Andrew Phelps, said officials are preparing for a mass fatality event and that thousands of structures have already been destroyed. Governor Kate Brown said more than 40,000 Oregonians have already been evacuated and about 500,000 are in different levels of evacuation zones, either having been told to leave or to prepare to get that done. The Oregon Convention Center in Portland is among the buildings being transformed into shelters for evacuees. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. This is USA Radio News. 
Colorado's Secretary of State filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Postal Service over mailers that contain inaccurate information about mail-in voting. Jenna Griswold said her office learned Thursday that the Postal Service would send mailers to every household in the U.S. with information about mail-in voting. The mailers advise voters to request a vote-by-mail ballot at least 15 days before Election Day and to return the official ballot at least seven days before the election. But the instructions don't account for the variation in state rules. Colorado, Hawaii, and Oregon, for example, don't require individuals to request mail-in ballots because every registered voter already gets one. According to Griswold, secretaries of state in five other states have contacted her to request copies so they could explore the possibility of filing their own suit. In Washington state, which also runs elections exclusively by mail, the secretary of state criticized the mailer on Twitter. You're listening to USA Radio News. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Yes, Randall, they file it in Warehouse 13. You know, yes, we want to believe that the government or some aspect or some part of the government that is like so classified that basically nobody else around them knows anything about it. And that may be accurate. Maybe there is a part of it, but the, they're so buried and so hidden that you'd never get to them or you never find out what they know. And it's not like they're sharing their information with the rest of the DOD. Like, should I believe my general down there understands I work at the, uh, with the army my four-star general has access to that information? Hell no. And do you think that he knows about that? No. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that if you think of that there's a concerted part of the government that is out doing this and that it's maybe buried, and I don't know what it is in Canada. I don't know what it is in other countries. But I'm telling you that, that, that you'd never get to it from here. But then we've got that A-tip, though. I mean, everybody was saying that. And, Al, you know, Colonel Alexander, John yeah. Alexander, he was saying, well, he went looking, couldn't find anything. And then all of a sudden uh, we find out that there's been this uh, investigation that's been going on in some level, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, and that this whole Nimitz thing was part of it. And then that they actually had footage of this thing in pilot testimony and that it did go to a department and that a person, Elizondo, was able to 
to get copies of this and bring it out into the public. And finally, they just admitted, well, yeah, we've had this all along. So let me clarify. There's an exception to the rule there. That was not a per se broad based UFO program looking at sightings all across the country, taking public reports. It was only looking at military cases that they had where they were trying to look at it from the threat context, and it was limited in its scope. What I'm talking about is a more than limited. What about the John Q. public that sees them? What about the people that are out in shipping lanes that see them that are not military? And uh, that's not happening no, no, that's the, what they did back with Blue Book, and then we so, haven't really had anything like that since. Correct, and it's not until now that you're starting to see where when the, the doors and the, the veils were opened up that they said, well, they were going to have the Navy starting to have people report them. Okay, well, now they're trying to encourage people to report them, and that all along they've been shutting up and dismissing them, and commanders silence people that want to talk about them. Yeah, do you think that they're going to really start reporting them, or do you think it's going to become this thing where, well, we know we can report them, but you know what happens if you do? Well, no, I mean, there's a cultural change that has to happen. So I don't know that it's going to happen overnight, but I think that ultimately it's a situation where if you have an official program that stood up, you might stand a better chance of getting somebody that's going to be able to take it and to talk about it. But I don't think it's going to be the heel all because you've got a culture that's there that's not going to change again overnight. It's going to take a long while before that opens up. But maybe you guys with the SCU, I mean, you guys are kind of positioning yourself to be a good liaison if something like that does happen. We're trying to be able to do that. We want to be able to, to see if we can get some sort of a connection or a role to, to that and to play some aspect, whether we could get uh, information passed to us or not. That's maybe unclassified or whatever like that, but they are going to be classifying it because it's in the, it's within the intelligence community, and we're talking about potential threats over uh, our areas of concern where we're flying and having missions or or whatever. So there is a concern, and I'm sure that there's going to be a good part of it that's going to be classified, and we're hoping that something will be uh, unclassified enough that we could do something with it. I mean, if you're thinking that the government is just going to come out and have a big press conference and tell everybody that it's happened, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. There's this what they call the the trickle down disclosure and organizations like yours are perfect if they want to do it that way. Yeah, well, we hope. So that's where we're uh, on our intelligence side of the house. They're trying to make inroads and to be able to make connections with the congressional people and various other people that, that will help us to be able to maybe do something with that. When people talk about this, Rich, I'm being jaded because you and I go back a long way. Yep. Nightcap was doing this in the 60s and the 50s. Yep. And sure it were. went, where did it go? We went to the Condon Report, and now yep. we have this incredibly polarized climate Yep, where people are talking about everything else. And the UFO yep. thing gets covered, and it gets covered seriously, or the UAP thing, yep. and then it disappears in the middle of Bob Woodward's new book and all the other crazy nonsense that's going on. Yep. And unless things settle down, no matter what they do, no matter what they know, no matter what they say, it's just going to roll off our backs, except for crazy people like us. 
Yeah, exactly. John Q. Public out there is, you know, going on with their day, worried about the COVID thing, worried about their economy, getting their jobs. Do you think that they give a hang about the UFO subject? Nah. And so if you don't have that continual, how do I want to say it, media attention, alerting people or making some sort of like, you know, getting some sort of newsletters out, papers out or something, you know, it, it's going to go by the wayside. And that's why I think uh, Lou and uh, all them uh, got into the using History Channel as a means of, you know, educating people about it and getting the word out. Yeah, but you know, the problem with that is, though, Rich, is that we've had UFO reality shows. We had In oh, Search Of. It goes back decades. And so you have a million people or 500,000 people watch these shows, and then they watch the ghost show. And what difference does it make? I'm being jaded here. No, I know. But there are some good things going on. Like, are, are you familiar with the fact that the Japan's Minister of Defense is now discussing an alliance with the U.S. De- Department of Defense? On UFOs or UAPs? No, tell us a little bit more. Okay, well, basically now that what you have is that the apparently uh, they're looking at getting an expansion or interpretation of what they call the General Security of Military Information Agreements established, probably, uh, and then that will allow that that the two governments to be able to uh, work together. But they're actually having conversations with us. About that. And I think that you also saw, if you did see the uh, unidentified show, that a good number of these, Lou was going around to different countries like Brazil, Chile, Peru, and a number of other countries. And that was also to establish an alliance, if you would, with the rest of the world on the subject. So I think that what's happening is in the background, you know, forget about the general public, but if you can get the governments at least working together on this thing. You might be able to, to now have a better chance of at least getting something moving, if you would, on finding out and sharing information on the subject of UFOs. It's kind of like what, if you remember the, the mock hearings that were held up on the Hill at the press club, what was it, 2013 or something like that? Right, yeah, yeah, the National Press Club well, uh, dis- disclosure. Yeah, the outcome and the recommendation was to get something through to, uh, I believe, the UN, right? And so... If you potentially could get something on an international scale built, and I think that this is from what I see where TTSA is wanting to try to go next, that it ultimately that's going to that's going to benefit us. Have you tried networking with them? Yeah. Are they cooperative, or what's your experience yeah, like? No, them? I mean every, every one of them are cooperative. I mean, oh, I work with I work with Lou. I work with uh, Hal Putoff. We work with uh, Chris Mullen. Uh, we work with uh, all of them. Uh, Chris Mullen helped put our uh, our Nimitz report and shared it with others up on the Hill. And so we're working and collaborating and talking with each other all the time. The thing I wonder about here, too, with all the politics and the crazy things is, will there be an October surprise about this? This might be something for Trump to get up there and say something out of turn because he's already admitted that there's some secret nuclear weapon that he was not supposed to have admitted. So I can always wonder something like that would happen. It might be everybody's dream, but then we have to break. More to come with Rich, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. That's Shop, S-H-O-P, Super, S-U-P-E-R, T-T-E-A.com. 
So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5 California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue, Rich Hoffman, and I was throwing out one of my crazy quilt conspiracy theories. Trump's October UAP surprise. Of course, if he loses in November, we will forget that. I mean, literally speaking here, we are at a stage, Rich, I don't know if you'll disagree, that Trump could bring out E.T. on the White House lawn. Here he is. Here is Orthon from Zeta Reticuli. And nobody will believe it other than his supporters. Yep. More than likely. <laughs> yeah, precisely. I mean, you know, if, if you made the announcement, would anybody believe it? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, there's so many jaded beliefs and we have such division in the country about anything. Uh, I, I don't know if you could ever get anybody to agree to anything anymore. Suppose um, what happens if a UFO lands and nobody came? Yeah, Exactly. Gene, you and I go back to where we watched that original version of what was it? The the day the, the Earth, Earth stood still, still yeah. right? Yeah, I, can you imagine if that happened now? Would anybody believe it? No, it would be a false flag. It would be somebody saying that no, it was staged. No, it was fake Hollywood. News. No, it's fake it's news, fake, man. It, it, it's fake news. I mean, you can see it right now. They'd be they'd yeah. be going cra- crazy right now. They say no, it's QAnon. No, it's Antifa. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, this is crazy, but this is the way it is. On the other hand, where that leads us is we probably won't be able to settle down with anything that's going on there until after the election, after the new people, if there are any, are sworn in. After that's all resolved, maybe then we can deal with it. Right now, we can't. Right now is a great time, though, to reveal everything and say we disclosed it. Oh, you did? All right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many people would even remember? I think you make a really good point there, Rich, when you talk about public motivation, because right now we're so wrapped up with so many other things that are of immediate importance to us. But at the same time, we had Chris Rudkowski on uh, recently on our show, really excellent researcher up here in Canada. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, well, he says he won't join any particular movement or organization. He maintains his independence, but he does he does collaborate with them. Well, he's 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 one of our coalition SU members. Oh, is that right? Well, we're going to have to just say, hey, Chris, you know, what, what's this, what's going on here? Anyway, he did say that uh, during this whole pandemic, the sighting numbers are actually up, according to the Canadian UFO report. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, it's not like people aren't interested. People are still seeing them. And I believe in the media I was reading not too long ago, it still ranks up in the top. 10, if not the top five subjects that attract people's attention. And that's probably why you see a lot of fake headlines about UFOs, because they know it's going to generate a certain amount of clicks. 
Yeah, well, that's that's the same thing about YouTube videos that are out there on subject. They create fake UFO videos and they put them out there and then people get clicks on them and they get a little bit of money on it. We, uh, by the way, had someone on the show like a long time ago. I think they call themselves third phase of moon. And I noticed the other day we have a we have a section in our forum, not our forum. It's actually on the website where they check for broken links. And this way we don't send people to places that don't exist anymore. And that original link for that place is gone. So maybe these people faking UFO pictures were replaced by other people faking UFO pictures. But you see, that even makes it more and more difficult to actually yeah. get a hold of legit sightings. Right. And, and they're out there basically damaging the credibility of the subject. And, and it's just pathetic. But I, I'm going to be doing a, uh, by the way, I'm doing a History Channel show. Uh, they're going to be in my house filming next week. But it's all on videos and how you go out about analyzing UFO videos and what we did with Aguadilla and, and how do you do that analysis of these types of things. And you can go on, literally go on the YouTube and see and type in the words that you want to be able to do on the search of how to fake UFO videos. And you'll see that there's a whole technology uh, out there to create them. And, and there are the easy tools you can get, like, to be able to help create them. And so a lot of people who want to be uh, working with some major pr- production or video company or something like that is using a UFO case to be able to make their point and that they're worthy of being hired, I guess, or something. But y- you can go out and you can readily find those uh uh, those things out. In fact, I'm going to be talking about them tomorrow in my local UFO meeting, but we're actually doing a, a show on video analysis next week. Uh, I'm getting recorded with the history channel. And, uh, so, I mean, <laughs> this is the ever the plagued problem that we've had with technology and the internet that we didn't have back when I got started in the sixties, you know, you didn't have the internet, so you, you couldn't, And we didn't have a lot of very good cameras, by the way. Uh, So, I mean, when you got a UFO photograph or something like that back then, you could do something with it and look at it and and really determine something. But now everything is CGI and everything is easily faked. And it makes our jobs as serious UFO researchers that much harder. And we're spending all our time debunking the crap that's out there on YouTube that's being designed to be able to get into your pocket. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I, I tried for uh, when, it, when the Internet really started getting popular with this maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago. I tried to keep up with it, and it was just a full-time job sifting out all the noise. It is. Finally, finally, I gave up. I went, well, you, there, you, we can't depend on practically anything out there. And, yes. and yet, you know, there might be some really good stuff out there if once in a while i still do this and i'll find something that goes oh that's that is pretty odd there's somebody asked us on the forums once at the Paracast community forums how come there are no dash cam videos so i started looking and after going through about 400 of them i did find a couple of things that were like yeah that looks pretty pretty legitimate you know but 
again, not much information, no witness contact, just, you know, so what are you supposed to do? Well, I dismiss it. I mean, ultimately, it's a situation. Yeah, and you're right. There's over 6 million UFO videos out on YouTube alone. That was according. I I got that 6 million. Now, how are you going to (laughs) go sift? Do you think in your lifetime you could ever sift through 6 million? And by the time you finished your lifetime, it would be up to 12 million. You know what I've been doing on YouTube lately? I gave up trying to find legit information there. So yeah. what I do is I find old videos. I find Ringo Starr's All-Star Band in concert or Jeff Lynne's Revitalized ELO. Or, and you'll remember this because you're old enough, Rich. I find yeah. all these sci-fi TV shows, Saturday morning yeah. sci-fi shows on YouTube, like yep. Captain Video and his Video Rangers. And yeah. Space Patrol, which was really, really, really good with good acting. It had some really good actors in there. Space Patrol was done live on ABC in the 50s. Look for it and look for some of the concepts. Like in one episode, they're actually fighting a villain who's made up of some kind of silicon life form. I mean, they got into stuff that's beyond what they would normally present to kids. Or this one, Commando Cody, Sky Marshal of the Universe. Do you remember that? Yeah, they all exactly. use the rocket suit from King of the Rocket Man from Republic Pictures. You, I, it's amazing. Like, you're right. I mean, you can find old episodes of everything out there. It's, it's just amazing. It's a great tool for that. But but again, using it for science or trying to figure out anything about UFOs, forget it. I, and, uh, you know, and, and we just we struggle. I mean, that's why scientists get turned off, if you would. I mean. Who wants to be connected to anything that's crazy as that? And uh, Well, there so. might be some hope, though, in the future. Again, going back to this wisdom of the crowd idea, if we combine that with AI technology uh, and some of the AI computing that's coming out now that uh, and web crawlers, yes. hypothetically, we, we should be able to create a, a, a system, an automated system that could crawl the web and apply that AI technology – to all of the examples out there, and then rate them as uh, on a on a scale, and, and that uh, could get our attention of the very best ones. Randall, <laughs> we're getting close to the technology where we might be able to create that sort of scenario. Because right now, YouTube is useless if you want to find legitimate UFO sightings or videos. It's not going to happen. Rich, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors 
classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Oh, by the way, Rich Hoffman is going to hang out for After the Paracast, which is available exclusively to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. Go to the Paracast.plus for more. Rich Hoffman joining us. We're trying to talk about seriously trying to do research into UFOs, the problems of trying to get legit information other than fun videos, really cool videos like Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker singing the Coldplay song Yellow, stuff like that, and getting legit information about UFOs, and there's too much junk. But the same is true on Facebook. I mean, you've got billions of users how do you find real information unless you sharply focus on a small number of user groups? Right. If you think about trying to tackle the problem of, okay, that there are sightings every day in the country, and you want to do scientific study of all those wonderful sightings that are happening in the course of a day, and you need to be able to look at it to the point where you can get the best data or best information possible for a credible case. How do you go about doing that? Okay. And that is a constant struggle. Many people will not report it. Many people are in areas where they have no internet. Many people don't have a computer. Many people, whatever, you know, okay. So you're only going to get a small percentage of those cases. And then how many of those cases do you think that are actually, if you investigated them, were other natural explanations or IFOs? And we know that the biggest number of those are misidentified or something else that the people see. And then you talk about getting a legitimate case. It might be down in the, it might be a very small number, you know. So now I'm trying to find that little small number of those. And I'm trying to now say, well, I need to have that information. How do I get people to send the information to somebody? And then what are they going to do with it? They're going to have to go out and like look around and investigate it. Was it this or was it that? Or And try to narrow it down. Well, did anybody, that witness, contact the police department? The police department might have saw something. I told you that they might have been driving around. Was there a radar that was there? Okay, well, let me see if I can get that, you know. And so you have to look at these things very broadly 
to be able to figure out who else might have seen it besides just that one witness, all right? And if you can do something with it, then great. Let's get that all that data collected and we'll put it together and we'll do something scientifically with it, right? If we can, right? They might be able to have deduced speed. They might have been might have had a, a video clip of something. Somebody else from a different side might have had a camera shot of it. And you could, you know, do some now triangulation and get the exact altitude because you got multiple sites seeing it. My point is that it's a very difficult challenge and problem for us to do that and to do anything and get anything meaningful from it. Well, it's not like the phenomena cooperates with us on this either. It well, seems it, like it, over the years, yeah. uh, back in, in, in the golden era, people yeah. would see them visually and report them as they right. saw them. And then right. as our technology got more and more sophisticated, they right. began to elude it. And now, as you mentioned earlier, Rich, they seem to be able to vanish completely off radar and visibly. If So it seems to me that really the, the phenomena is what's in control of the whole disclosure mechanism, not us. Well, well I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that they've always been in control. I mean, the sightings happen, you know, like it's like a one-time happenstance that somebody sees something, then it's gone. It's gone from even space and time as we know it. You know, I mean, it's not there anymore. If an airplane takes off and land, it lands somewhere, we know it, and people might see it along the entire route. Well, the object might have been there at this given location and it's now gone and nobody knows where it went to. We didn't see it land anywhere. We didn't see it take off and nobody's seeing it along the way. And so what happened? Heineck referred to it as a space-time singularity. And I kind of agree with him. I think it's like, you know, they see it. It happens once. There it is many times and bingo, it's gone. Now, it just so happens that some areas of the country have a large number of sightings in that geographic area. Well, guess what you could do from a scientific nature instead of just taking those individual reports is you could take out and deploy some sort of scientific equipment that is now using like an all-sky camera and it's recording the entire sky. You might be able to, and I'm working with people right now that are putting these kind of devices together that are deployable packages with multiple kinds of cameras and even things like, you know, that could potentially pick up, you know, like, for example, I was making spectral camera. It could, you know, you might be able to have an infrared camera and you could do all these other kinds of things and, and have the equipment help you out and give you some actual data that you can do something with. I think that what we as a country need to consider or something maybe along of deployable units or deployable whatever is fully equipped with that kind of like stuff that we can, that scientists want to know about and might give us some sort of an indication about the, uh, the objects and how they're maneuvering around. More Are you so, referring here, by the way, Rich, to the UFO data project, the one from yeah, the Center I'm for UFO of, Studies? I'm, a part, I'm part of UFO data. I'm also talking about there's other projects that are going on. I'm a part of uh, or at least working cooperatively with Skyhub. Skyhub is a team of people that are putting together equipment and are doing a fabulous job uh, with that. In fact, the two of the people on Skyhub, Bob uh, McGuire and Steve McDaniel, are a part of SEU. Then you have even I'm, I'm also a consultant with the UAP expedition 
the one that's going to go take the the boat cruise off the uh, Catalina Island area. Right. Yeah. And with Gary Voorhees. Yeah. 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 I, I'm on working with Gary Voorhees and the team and Kevin Day and all them other people yeah. to be able to to see if we can't do that. So that's pretty cool. While we're talking this, we have to talk about Christopher O'Brien, our former co-host, who still yeah. is doing the SLV camera yeah. project, and he's advanced his word. They they've got where people can go and buy from them their yeah. own little deployable camera sky monitoring system yeah. that will hook into the computers with their central uh, networks somehow. Right. You'd have to talk to him about it, but oh, I, I know uh, about it's it. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I know about him, and, I, and, and I'm also knowing about MADAR. MADAR is another project by Francis Ridge that uh, I guess the group called NICAP uh, that, that's still in existence, if you would. They uh, de- have deployable units around trying to do something with it. So, again, you know, I mean, we need to deploy these kind of technologies and have these technology tools. People need to understand that if they see something that they don't use their regular phone camera, but they could use this theodolite that I mentioned, or they could use other kinds of tools and help us to, to get more information, which then supports their uh, actual case, Right. It's an educational thing. It's the fact that technology is getting uh, more available to a lot of people and it's more affordable. And we just need to educate a lot of the people that are wanting to treat this seriously to go in to do those types of things. Now, all this is civilian. This is taking us outside of the government area. But that raises the other question, which is, can we even rely on any government? And I'm not going to assume those run by authoritarians where nobody's going to get the information except a selected few. But can we rely on any government to help in this quest? I mean, governments like the U.S. government is giving up on space exploration. It's going to be done by SpaceX and the other companies. Yeah, so there's other countries that are not, of course, like utilizing SpaceX or something like that. I mean, they don't have their own kind of programs. But that the other countries have a stronger belief in the UFO subject and validity okay that, that there's something there and there they might be a, a bit more open with uh, their public about that uh, and hopefully if we can get enough of those other governments to cooperate and we get people from uh, within those governments to cooperate we can start to potentially look at uh, at getting out more information and better information I think, again, it's going to be a situation, it, it's got to be something where it's outside of the military or outside of them because they they have their national security kind of like looks at things and and they'll uh, they'll kind of shut things down from the general let's, public. Let's do our and, break here. We've got more with Rich, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Paracast people, I'm Greg Carlwood, the host of the Higher Side Chats podcast, an uninterrupted and action-packed interview-based show where I talk to some of the brightest minds for our troubled times about all things paranormal, occult, esoteric, and conspiratorial. After 10 years, we've heard it all. Alien moon bases, archons, hollow earth, technocratic and biomedical agendas, magic, mind control, and Lovecraftian monsters. Oh my. Usually, the first hour of the show is free, and the second hour is for members who sign up for the Higher Side Chats Plus at $8 a month. But praise be, we're giving Paracast listeners two free weeks of Plus when you use the all-caps coupon code PARACAST. 
Go to thehiresidechats.com, sign up with the code PARACAST, and dive into the nearly never-ending archive of great interviews I've been lucky enough to get over the years, from David Politis to David Icke, and many, many guests not named David. Check it out. You're going to love it. All right, Jay, was that good? Can we use that one? When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four-and-a-half to five-star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made-in-the-USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra-large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay Wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part? Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into, like, an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family. The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together. Visit DAV.org to learn more about our mission. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-8407. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now, 1-800-900-8407. That's 1-800-900-8407. 1-800-900-8407. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio. Pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion-dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio, the media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Of course, Rich Hoffman, any government would want to do something to its own advantage, just as if we would. But at the same time, I wonder here if any government has actionable intelligence about ufos that point to something 
other than we don't know what it is and it doesn't seem to represent a threat. Something more, why Putin and these other people haven't come out and said, we know the answer. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that that's, that could potentially be the case, that there are elements within the intelligence community. And I'm not saying that you can't broadly say that every part of it, but there might be, again, going back to what we talked about before, was that there is a small group of people who have the task of monitoring this kind of stuff and doing something with it that is in the intelligence community. And it's, you know, it's basically not being shared uh, as openly. And so they are probably have all the information and uh, are keeping it that way. What we're attempting to do with all these things I keep talking about iPhones and stuff like that is I'm outside of that world, if you would, even though I'm I work for the DOD and I I do have security agreements and stuff like that that I have to adhere to. But at the same time, I'm what I'm trying to tell you is that I there is a balance between that, that there needs to be public information because it does impact the public. It's impacting their lives. People are seeing them. People are having, if there's any validity to the, uh, of course, the abduction phenomena, there's a serious concern there. If there's anything where people are being harmed, uh, you talked about the Canadian up there. You talk about Chris Rutkowski will tell you all the time about that one case that he investigated. Uh, I can't remember the name of the case now. The Falcon Mitchell. Yeah, the, yeah right. The Mitchell. Guy. Yeah, yeah, classic case. Yeah, classic case, right? So, I mean, there there are people that are being impacted by that, and I think that we need to be a little bit more open about that. If we are out actually trying to re-engineer, let's say we're out, I mean, we, we've got crashes, and we're out trying to re-engineer it to be able to develop, uh, develop a, a weapon or a tool, I mean, like that. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of openness about that. And I don't think that any country would probably be open about that. And I'm saying it if it's if it's in the military world, the military is not going to share whether they've yeah. got some some advantage over the Chinese with their hypersonic vehicles or something of that nature. Sure, they're going to deny it. They're sure, that it's going to be highly classified. Sure, it's going to be a close hold. Why wouldn't they? That's, again, where I think that most of the phenomena really is on that borderline of you know, is a threat. We need to analyze the threat and we need to be really mindful of the fact that it's not just over those military sites. It's also over the general public areas. You know, how many how many people in Phoenix saw the, the Phoenix lights? You know, I mean, so I mean, there's ultimately that kind of thing that's going on that the public needs to be aware that, hey, don't you know, we are looking at it and don't be that concerned about it. You don't need to panic about it, but we are looking into it. And I think that they're right now, they're also playing that delicate dance between wanting to call them alien craft versus saying that, hey, look, there's probably potentially somebody here on the planet that's making them. And they, they haven't figured out how they can get over that hump. Because once you say that you think that they're alien spacecraft, if you would, or some from somewhere else, you just get into that big, I don't know how to say it. Pandora's box. <laughs> Pan, yeah, the Pandora's box that now connects you into, well, how are religions going to take that? How are other parts of the country going to take that? You know, why are they here? What, what am I going to do about that? How am I protecting myself from that? There's a huge change 
that would have to happen if you made that kind of like declaration. And I don't know that, you know, the government is, how do I say it, that organized to be able to deal with that? Okay, so on the flip side of that, though, I mean, depending on what poll you, you go with, most people already believe in alien visitation. Oh, and sure we're, we're so desensitized to it now because yeah. it's everywhere yeah. that I really don't think that there would be this great mass panic. You know, that it wouldn't be any H.G. Wells War of the World thing anymore. There wouldn't be massive people right. getting in their cars trying to leave the cities. People would just go, oh, it's about time. You know, no, and then it, and then a few people who are interested would want to know more. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that the the war of the worlds is panic is going to happen anymore. I mean, like you say, it's we've been uh, desensitized and, and to a lot of different things. I think that the, the thing is that, you know, that ultimately you're going to be in a situation where you make the announcement that, hey, well, we've got alien life, that there's going to be all kinds of implications to that. And uh, that's going to, in fact, OK, well. What are you doing to protect or find out? Okay, so now we have to go out and make sure that the Air Force is doing their job or whatever, and you're going to have to really go after it. Are they, are they friendly? Do we shoot at them? Do we not shoot at them? Do we, do we just monitor them? Do we, what do we do? How do we deal with that? How, do we, uh, is that going to change our, the way we finance things? Are we going to – and so I guess what I'm trying to say, and I think that you know Richard Dolan in his book After Disclosure got into a lot of these different areas. But, I mean, ultimately it's about there are these changes that are going to have to take place or will take place as a result of something like this announcement happening. And, yes, there are religious groups that have problems with that and think that these things are demonic. And so, you know, there would be an impact to – those people. And they might now say, well, demons are in the sky and, you know, and, you know, and all kinds of other kinds of things. So you have to be able to deal with that as well. I don't know. It's got to be well managed. Uh, and I'm not sure, again, that we are set up to do that well. We're not well, even managing. I, I don't managing. think we can be. This is the problem. We're not, we're not even managing COVID very well. So, I mean, <laughs> so. even if we wanted to, I, I think it's not, I don't think it's a matter of, the, of whether or not we're capable of just telling the truth about what's going on. I don't think that they can tell us because of the ramifications on the national security side of things. So, in other words, even if they know alien visitation is a reality, then if they tell us that, then there are going to be people who ask questions. They're going to say, how do you know? And then they're going to go, well, we have detected them. And then they're people are going to say, well, how did you detect them? And we know that some of these detection systems are highly classified and you just can't talk about them. So, yes. so and, you know. And what are you doing about it? Uh, do I want to know your, your military emissions and how you're changing to adapt to be able to figure out what they are? And again, going back to... So if you what do you do with them? Is the public going to demand we capture them? Uh, is that the, the thing we should be doing? Uh, should we be just monitoring them? They don't seem to be harming too many people or whatever like that. At least that's what it looks like on the onset or, you know, what do we what do? do you, what do you think we should do? Well, I, I like uh, if I it mean, was up to you, if they came to you tomorrow, Rich, and said, OK, look, we're ready to go with disclosure. 
what are you going to do? How can you help us to, to uh, break this to the public? How would you handle that? Let's leave that answer to our next segment. With more to come with Rich, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. With a MechTech carbine conversion unit, you can turn an XD family Glock or 1911 handgun into a carbine rifle in seconds and have it shipped right to your door, no FFL required. Now, MechTech is excited to announce our pistol carbine conversion unit, more compact with a 12-inch barrel and an arm brace, proving once again that MechTech is the world's most versatile handgun accessory. For a limited time, go to handgunconversions.com. That's handgunconversions.com and use coupon code RADIO to receive $35 off any carbine purchase. You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Here in Oregon, it's hard to breathe because of the thick smoke. USA Radio's John Hunt has more. As fires continue throughout the West Coast, hundreds of firefighters are now battling two large wildfires that threaten to merge near the most populated part of the state of Oregon, including the suburbs of Portland. And the governor said dozens of people are missing in other parts of the state. The state's emergency management director, Andrew Phelps, said officials are preparing for a mass fatality event and that thousands of structures have already been destroyed. Governor Kate Brown said more than 40,000 Oregonians have already been evacuated and about 500,000 are in different levels of evacuation zones, either having been told to leave or to prepare to get that done. The Oregon Convention Center in Portland is among the buildings being transformed into shelters for evacuees. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. This is USA Radio News. Colorado's Secretary of State filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Postal Service over mailers that contain inaccurate information about mail-in voting. Jenna Griswold said her office learned Thursday that the Postal Service would send mailers to every household in the U.S. with information about mail-in voting. The mailers advise voters to request a vote-by-mail ballot at least 15 days before Election Day and to return the official ballot at least seven days before the election. But the instructions don't account for the variation in state rules. Colorado, Hawaii, and Oregon, for example, don't require individuals to request mail-in ballots because every registered voter already gets one. According to Griswold, secretaries of state in five other states have contacted her to request copies so they could explore the possibility of filing their own suit. In Washington state, which also runs elections exclusively by mail, the secretary of state criticized the mailer on Twitter. You're listening to USA Radio News. 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Rich Hoffman, we have elevated you to a high status here. Yeah, you sure do. You are providing the information to the public. It's up to you, my friend. Make it so. Engage. You know, to me, it's, again, going to be one of those things where you know, maybe it's not coming from one government, but from like a multiple governments. Uh, in other words, the UN should be something maybe, or you know, somebody even suggested that the Pope be the one <laughs> that makes the announcement. Yeah. You know, and you know, you somehow get it uh, delivered in such a way that it separates you from the government, if you would, which a lot of people don't even you know <laughs> trust anyway. And it allows for somebody that's that's credible and reputable to be able to make the announcement that's going to have a, a, a an impact. And so if you think about the religious community, they should be probably be a part of it. You think that maybe something like a, a U.N. kind of position because it represents multiple parties should be somehow in, engaged in it. And that we just as an announcement make to the world uh, through those kind of like world-like kind of like things that, hey, ultimately they're here or there there is something here and that we as a world need to address that. And then it takes it a little bit in a different direction than you'd get if it was just the United States. You get what I'm saying? Here's what I think might be really advantageous for any group if something like this were to happen. If you think about it kind of logically, If you were the one who is in control of saying to the people that have the information that, you know, we all out here want disclosed, you would be looking at the candidates that you would be approaching to see how well prepared they are. So, in other words, creating something like an action plan for disclosure, if you had one and it was well laid out, and it was better than anyone else's, that would increase your chance of them approaching you, I would think. Yeah, very much so. I think that that's, that's very likely. I think that what we're trying to do is to be able to, number one, establish some sort of credibility that the subject is legit and that there needs to be serious treatment of it. And so you want to have that seriousness and that credible or group or organization or whatever like that helping to deliver that plan to whomever that's going to now take it up and do something with it from a 
maybe a, a government representative part. But again, getting it to the point where it's now like delivered from a world context because it is something that's across this planet. And it's not UFOs, American UFOs, or not Canadian UFOs. It's a planet Earth UFOs, if you would, and a UAP. Make the announcement from the context of the worldview and then deliver specific uh, scientific groups, if you would, that are going to you know, work together to be able to uh, develop kind of tools to be able to help us to do it. You'd open up the military to be able to share more information from their their in- equipment. We ought to have satellite data uh, that we can collect and look at uh, from above and to really study it on a util- utilizing all the tools that everybody's got. And that's how we're going to learn and to do something with it. Makes sense to me. How do you go about vetting your potential members and what sort of credentials are required? Uh, well, we're typically looking for a degree, uh, number one. Um, but at the same time, we, we take and they deliver a lot of people that want to join us. They submit uh, a resume. We take a look at the resume and decide whether or not they're a good fit for us. We look for their, their position on the subject. People will deliver a you know, I, here's the way I look at it or their view on it. And then we have uh, a document that we have people sign that basically says that you agree to buy by our principles and what our goals are, our mission and our goals. We then get together as a board. We look at the individual and we decide whether or not they're going to be a, an addition to us or not and uh, make a decision to invite the person either on or to reject them. Let me ask you a question here. What range of belief systems or theories do you consider in accepting an application? Uh, well, I mean, we got a lot of people that have, they're all over the board with the subject. I mean, you got people that are very much uh, into the abduction phenomena. You got people that are not into the abduction phenomena. You got people that are into uh you know, we're not looking for conspiracy theorists, uh, if that's what you're trying to get at. We're looking for people who are going to treat the subject seriously and scientifically, which means writing papers and putting together uh, scientific things that could go into a journal. And so we got people that are that are interested in the crop circle phenomena. We got people that are interested in a whole bu- bunch of stuff. Not just interest, but belief. I mean, if somebody comes in there. You're not going to take somebody who says, well, we're channeling E.T. from Zeta Reticuli and they wish us no. well in the pandemic no. or something. No, no, no. We're not we're not taking channelers or people like uh, of that nature. We're taking, again, people who have got more like degrees in some sort of a science or something of that nature uh, and and having them work with us to begin to put papers and get them peer reviewed and to go into a scientific journal and and helping to get the scientific aspects of the cases worked out. So, uh, yeah, we're not looking for people who channel. We're not looking for psychics. We're not looking for ghost hunters. We're not <laughs> looking for a whole host of things. Uh, but more legitimate people who will uh, that have good training and grounding in sciences, if you would. How about uh, what I would call the serious ufologists like whether they have a degree or not might not be relevant i've 
I've heard people speak who have degrees who don't know the first thing about UFOs and simply write them off. Yeah, we have people that that were former, even former state directors in MUFON that are on board with us. Uh, so, I mean, they they've done a lot of investigations and things like that into the phenomena. We're again, there are people who are just well grounded in in doing a good research uh, into the subject uh, that they don't they're not gullible. They just don't buy everything that they see, and they. They want to really treat it seriously. And that's our big factor is that we're looking for people that, that have good, you know, good education in, in, type, in science, kind of like backgrounds, if you would, at the same time that have a, a good rational sense about them that are not jumping out at, you know. Right. Not, not everything. Oh, my God. It's a you know, UFO. Or I'm not saying it was aliens, but yeah, it was exactly. aliens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so then, uh, getting sort of back to what Gene was alluding to here too, I I had this question: is uh, have you taken an opinion poll? And and I'm not saying you know we're not looking for facts here. We're just saying, well, you know, what do people believe is the case? Have you taken an opinion poll with your members of how many think alien visitation is a reality? Uh, a lot of them will state that in their uh, their document. We haven't conducted a survey of our people yet. Okay? okay. So, but what we've done is we've seen those kind of comments uh, being touted in their uh, in kind of like the, in their statement, if you would. That I believe that the serious there's a serious uh, thing going on here. I believe that they're the landing cases are good indicators, and they might not have been uh, properly and scientifically studied. Or something of that nature, or we ought to improve that. So, yeah, these things are legitimate. A lot of people believe that that that's the case, uh, but we just don't know. A lot of them just say, "Well, we just don't know enough and have enough information to make a good determination of origin." And that's pretty much where I'm at. You know, the I can't speak to the origin because I've never seen like a license plate on the back of the vehicle. You know, they may have different kinds of license plates there, and they may not even renew them every year. They might be permanent or every 3,000 years or anything like that. Yeah. We never think about that when we look at the old sci-fi TV shows. Where's their license plate? More to come with Gene Randall and Rich in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out 
theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal Hair Care System is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I was thinking of that when I had to renew my driver's license for another five years here in Arizona. When you reach a certain age, I don't know how it works in Alabama, Rich Hoffman. Yep. Yep. But here, every five years, you take an eye test doesn't prove oh, really? you can drive. It proves you can see when you crash into something. <laughs> and they give you a new driver's license, you know. So they looked at me and they gave me the eye test. And it's really crazy during the coronavirus. Before, you had this machine that you'd look into. And they check your peripheral vision. That's cool. 
Now the woman or the man who is handling this, they go and grab an eye chart and go to a certain point in back of their room there and they hold it up and say, read this line. How many Forwards fingers and, am I holding up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, how many fingers Forward. am I holding up? And I say 11. And they say, good, you get good your enough. license. <laughs> All right. Okay. More seriously, another question. Have you taken an opinion poll with your members or do you get an idea of how many have had a UFO experience? And I mean a significant one, not just saw us, you know, well, I saw, a, you know, something that looked like a satellite change direction, but something, you know, like a CE3 or something like that. I think I said it earlier, but we haven't conducted a survey of our members. I think a good number of people that, that I continue to run across, and I do know that are in the group, have had a sighting of some sort. And that's made them interested in the phenomena in the first place. Some of them will actually say, well, I saw... You know, something when I was younger, and, and that's what led me into looking into it. That's why they're treating it a lot more seriously. Uh, we even ran across that even in MUFON. A lot of the people that we got as F, uh, field investigators were people who had had a sighting, and they wanted to learn more. And so they went and said, well, I want to join MUFON, and I want to become a field investigator. So it's not uncommon for people uh, to have had an experience and now have an interest in the subject to the point that they want to carry it on. I, unfortunately, have not had that. I got started as a result of this blasted uh, science or book report that I had to do on the subject of UFOs. Well, that's perfectly legitimate. I mean, if you do enough homework on it, you can also see that there is more to it than simple fiction and uh you know, misidentifications, misperceptions. I mean, you've, you've done your homework. I mean, there's seeing it, and then there's doing your homework. And I think anyone who does do their homework will come to the conclusion that there is something serious going on. There's a reality to this core phenomena. Yeah, well, I wish that that would have been my case. Uh, this was an eighth-grade science class, and I spent little time on it, and I got a D on the book report. <laughs> oh. uh, I got a D on the report overall because I said that there was really nothing to it, and the Air Force would tell us. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and well, so they had you, you deserved a D. Listen, my friend, you deserved a D. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, uh, by the way, I, after I delivered my presentation, my 10-minute presentation on the subject, that's when the uh, Lonnie Zamora case in Socorro happened in April 24th, 1964. And, oh, by the way, I saw that on the news on Walter Cronkite. And that's what led me going to get my first book on the UFO subject, which was the report on unidentified flying objects by former head Captain Edward Ruppelt. And yeah. then growing up in Dayton, I learned that it was just up the road, that Project Blue Book was just up the road at Wright Pat. And so you, you can see what it did to me at age 13. I'm suddenly like going ape crazy with this whole thing. And Yeah, you're there. <clears throat> and did I am there. And did yeah. you ever want to actually go to Wright-Patterson and have a look over? I gave a UFO uh, presentation to the people at Foreign Technology Division on it. Oh, <laughs> you know? why don't you tell us this? And then we'll segue <laughs> over to the After the Paracast show. Tell me more. You gave a presentation. When? Oh, my God. This is like going way back. You know, I got started in 64 and I was already bumping into four uh, to uh, 
a few cases that I that I investigated, I had a blue book a blue book officer that was actually sitting next to me doing the same thing, and he was doing his case investigation. They helped me make contact with the people at, at Project Blue Book, and I was able to start to have connections there. I also worked with uh, Leonard Stringfield, and he had connections at the base. And Leonard Stringfield was also helping me to make contacts. So I made all these different contacts with people. And, in fact, they gave me uh, the uh, a telephone number to radar approach control that I could actually call. It's a hotline. And I could then confirm a sighting of an object that was in the sky, maybe like south of me or something like that, that I was investigating. So I actually had that kind of a relationship uh, that was going on with them as well. Then what happened was, I think it was like maybe it was in the 70s, Blue Book had closed down. And I was contacted by somebody up on the base to come and do a presentation. I mean, I I knew that the group was supposed to be a group of scientists or research people or something of that nature. And I went up, and it turned out that I learned that after I did the presentation, and there was about, I want to say about 35 people in the room. I may, at one point, I made a comment to them. I said, you know, hey, many people see these things and don't talk about them. I'm curious to know if anybody in the room has ever seen anything. And, you know, one nervous hand went up, right? And the person shared that he had seen something. And I said, okay, well, great. And then uh, at, I had a break, and then uh, after the whole thing, I was, you know, everybody came up privately to talk about their cases. <laughs> they had actually seen something. In fact, one guy, his job was to go up. He said, he was telling me this privately. He said, my job was to take a, a camera and fly up and go try and see if I could chase these things and film them. And then when I got back with the film and the canister, they took it off the plane, and they had me go over to a place where I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement or something like that where I couldn't talk about it. But I never saw the film again. How many times have we heard that story? Well, and, yeah. And, like, this is where I was going before. you got to know that they've got more than we know about. Well, the, it's, again, about the they. Well, people <laughs> like that. Well, you know, well that, that film yeah. had to go somewhere. But maybe it didn't. Maybe it went on a shelf and maybe it didn't go to uh, any kind of organization that was collecting that kind of information. We don't know what happens to it. And it's maybe sitting on a shelf down in the foreign technology division now and putting it in the storage. Is you mean Warehouse 13 or like in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark? The Ark yeah. of the Covenant is put in this dusty old warehouse. Yeah. And, right. But you see, the problem is here that we assume that governments are competent. And I will accept that lots of people who work for governments are perfectly competent people who are dedicated to their jobs. But leadership comes and goes, and people are put in there not necessarily because they can ace the test, but because they can ace the relationship with the politician or give a contribution or whatever. We see that now. I don't want to get into that. But we assume they know what they're doing, and it may be that Part of this entire problem with UFO secrecy or whatever it is, it's a massive amount of total incompetence. Rich Hoffman, please tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do. We're on Facebook, SCU, uh, as well as we have a website, explorescu.org. Uh, you can get to our website. In fact, if you want to contact us, there's a contact page up there. But we're putting uh, all of the white papers and the papers we get and everything else up on that site. 
We're looking to get more and to do various other projects. So the projects we do will all be posted up on the site and made public. We're going to have Rich Hoffman back on this weekend's After the Paracast. I have a bunch of questions that were left sitting there. But right now, we just tell listeners, you can find us on Facebook if you look for two Paracast fan clubs or groups or communities or whatever they call them this week or this hour. On Facebook, the Paracast on Twitter, also check out branded merchandise for the Paracast. Go to theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop, and we have four different logos. We have throw pillows and shirts. Even Richard Keel, were he alive today at seven foot two, would have found, Jaws himself would have found a T-shirt that fit him. We also have the Paracast Plus, where we get a special version of this show free of the network ads, the After the Paracast podcast, where we quite often continue discussions from the main show, like Richard's joining us this week, and last week we had Chris Rutkowski. To learn more and take advantage of special pandemic prices, go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. Rich Hoffman, thank you for joining us on such short notice. No, no problem. Glad to be on with you all anytime. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>